You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 to 31. I'll read it and then we will, we will kind of walk through it together. <clears throat> And, and as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. And they went away, but they went away and spread his fame through all that district. And so let's jump back to the beginning. Let's walk through this together. So it says, and Jesus passed on from there. That's where we begin. Jesus is passing on from somewhere. And last week, if you were here, where was Jesus right before this? And you don't even have to be here last week. You could just look you know, at the past. Where was Jesus passing on from? What did he just get done doing? Yeah, he was coming from a funeral that he turned into a party, right? Because Jesus just came from a house of a ruler, of a daughter, of a girl that had just died. And they were having a funeral there. And then Jesus shows up and said, everyone stop crying because this girl's not dead. She's just sleeping. I'm going to go wake her up. And they laughed at him. But Jesus went, put his hand on her, and she arose. And everyone started talking about it. Right? You could imagine that this funeral turned into a party. That this girl was brought back. That her life was restored. And even before that, another daughter of God came whose life she could not live her full life because she had been bleeding for 12 years and had a disease that no one could cure but then Jesus she believed in Jesus and he restored her life when no one else could so Jesus just got done restoring the lives of two daughters and now he's going to restore two sons and these two sons two blind men followed him unable to see living in darkness, right? Can you imagine being blind? I remember driving this morning to church, and, and, and because I get here earlier than all of you, I saw the sun rise, right? And so I'm watching the sun rise, and it's, I don't know, it just Sunday mornings is the best sunrises for me because that's the only time I see the sun rise, right? Because, because on Sundays... My, the church is to the east of my house. And so when I'm driving towards church, I'm driving towards the sun, right? And my, my house, all my windows are facing west. And so I never get to see the sunrise. So on Sundays, I'm driving and I see the sun rising. And, and you know, the, just the colors are beautiful. If you're a photographer, you know that's the best time to take pictures as the sun rises. Everything is called golden hour because everything lights up with gold and the sky is filled with colors that you'll never see during the day. And it's just like everything is perfect. And because it's sunrise, sunrise I think is better than sunset, which is also golden hour because there's less people and no traffic, right? So it's just beautiful. And so every time I come into church on Sunday, I'm just like worshiping like thanking God for the beauty of the light of the sun, 
and the beautiful color of gold that it paints the world. And to think, to never be able to see a sunrise. To live in a world literally of complete darkness where there is no light. That's what these men were living in. Two blind men. What would it be like to to be blind? Right? To live in darkness. They could not see, yet they followed him anyways. They followed one whom they could not even see. They followed them. And back then, if you were blind, you your life was not full. Like nowadays, if you're blind, you could still live a full life, right? There's all these different uh, programs and different ways where we the, our world accommodates to those with disabilities so that when you're disabled in our world, you're not you can still live a full life, right? You're not really disabled. But back then, if you were blind, you were not a complete person. You could not live life to the fullest because we didn't have any of the things we have today. If you were blind, you were destined to a life to beg. And if you didn't have people around that would constantly provide for you, your life, you would, they would, you would get, you would be poor. You wouldn't be able to provide. You'd ultimately get sick and many people would die very, very early as a blind person. Their life, was gone. They had no options. But their blindness is what caused them to seek Jesus. And so actually, if you think about it, their blindness was a blessing. Because if they were not blind, they might have never sought after Jesus the way they did. And the way they sought Jesus was they they were crying aloud. As they were looking and chasing after Jesus, they were crying aloud. Why were they crying aloud? Because they couldn't see him. They didn't know where he was, so they just had a shout at the top of their lungs, hoping that their voice would hit Jesus somewhere if they just shouted loud. That's what you do when you can't see God in your life. You just cry out. Where is God? I don't know. Well, I better just shout at the top of my lungs. That's called desperation. These men were desperate. How desperate are you for God this morning? When was the last time you were truly desperate for the Lord? When was the last time you cried out from the bottom of your heart because you needed him, because you couldn't see him? That there was things in your life that you could not do anything about and you knew that he was the only one. They cried out. But sometimes we're too proud to cry out. I feel like our generation, we've grown proud. Too proud to beg, to raise our voices, to shout for Jesus, to pray. We have this proud spirit. And you know what blinds, you know what truly blinds us? Pride. Pride and prosperity is what truly blinds. You see, um, a lot of the people in this room, that your, your ancestry comes from Korea. And just one generation ago, Korea was one of the poorest countries on the planet. It was torn apart by war constantly conquered by other nations to the point where world vision you guys know world vision it's 
It's the one where it's like you sponsor a, a child of a third world country, you know, like a dollar a day, and you can like help feed and educate a child. That began in Korea. Was it World Vision or Compassion? It was one of those two. It was Compassion. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Thanks. So it was Compassion, right? Compassion International began out of Korea because, so when you see like those commercials about a starving child, it was a Korean kid. One of the poorest nations on the planet. And the people of Korea were desperate, broken, humbled. And they started to cry out to God. And a generation ago, revival started to break out in Korea. And God started to pour out his spirit upon these people. And then miracles, healing, power, a movement of God started to pour out onto this generation and churches began to rise where Korea built the largest churches in the planet in one generation. They were the fastest growing churches in the world. They sent out more missionaries per capita than any other country in one generation. A, a country turned to the Lord because they humbled themselves and they cried out night and day. They would wake up every morning to go on their knees and cry out. Some of our parents continue to do that. But then what happened after one generation? God heard, he listened, and he blessed the people who cried out to him. He listened to their prayers. And now South Korea going from one of the poorest countries in the world to one of the most wealthy economic powers. A new generation rises up in comfort and prosperity and pride and utter spiritual blindness because they do not cry out to the Lord. Now the church in Korea is declining. The young people don't pray. They don't go to their churches. The, the Korean church is dying in Korea. The young people are not going. And do you think we're any better as Americans? We live in the land of pride and prosperity. We don't cry out to God. We don't think we need him. Sure, we might say it, but what we really trust in, what we really need is as long as I got my, my education, as long as I get in that school, as long as I have my nice, secure job, as long as I have this or that, I'm good. I don't actually need God. So for many of us, you can't remember the last time you cried out to, for God because we're blinded by our pride and our prosperity. Imagine if these two blind men were too proud to cry out. Jesus is near, but they're like, you know what? We don't need his help. We don't need to cry out. How desperate are you? Let's humble ourselves before God and realize that you and I need him. We need him for everything. And what do they cry out? They cry aloud, have mercy on us. When they cry out to Jesus, they don't just see Jesus as just another good guy or another prophet. Have mercy on us is what the Old Testament people would cry out. It was a divine cry to God for help. In the Psalm 17 times, it said, have mercy on us. And every single time it was directed to God. And so when these men were crying out to Jesus, have mercy on us, they were crying out to one who was more than just a man. And they realized they needed his mercy. When do we ask? To whom do we ask for mercy? 
You ask mercy before a judge who has the power to execute you for what you've done. You you cry out mercy for a judge who can put you away for the rest of your life, and you say to the judge, I know I deserve this, but please have mercy on me. Please have compassion on me. Give me something I don't deserve. I know I deserve punishment. I know I deserve death, but please, you have the power to have mercy, have mercy on me. And for us, have we forgotten that we live every day by the utter mercy of God? We do not deserve anything. We are sinners condemned before God for the things that we've done, for our rebellion. And every day, we don't deserve to breathe, but by the mercy of God, by his kindness, by his grace, we wake up in the morning and you breathe. By the kindness and the mercy of God, you open your eyes and light floods your eyes and you're not blind, you can see. By the kindness of God, you can get up in the morning when there are people who are lying in bed who cannot get up. You, for some reason, though you don't deserve it, you can get up this morning. Though you don't deserve it, you can get in your car and drive to church this morning by the mercy of God. By the mercy of God, we can come and open up his word. There are people in this world that cannot access the word of God who have never heard the truth of his gospel, but by his mercy, you and I are hearing his word. And by his mercy, we believe. There are some of you in this room where you have heard the gospel and you have believed that is by his mercy. We don't deserve that. We didn't earn that. Every day, every morning, he gives us new mercy. Every day, no matter how crappy your day is, no matter how if you fail that test or if that, that girl broke up with you or you got fired from that job, it doesn't matter. Every day, we have reason to rejoice and give thanks for the mercy of God. Amen? We live by his mercy. And we forget that in our pride and in our prosperity, in our lack of desperation. But we need to cry out and recognize the mercy of God and cry out for his mercy, and cry out for his mercy for our friends and our family. Say, Lord, have mercy upon us, for we need you today. We need you, the son of David. They cried out, have mercy on us, son of David. And the the phrase, the son of David, it basically encapsulates every promise of the Old Testament. You see, these blind men, I don't know where they heard it, but somewhere along the line, they might have heard from a rabbi who taught from the Old Testament that one day, a son of David, in 2 Samuel chapter 4, God himself came to one of Israel's kings, King David, and he said, David, one of your offspring will rise and he will become a king that will establish a kingdom that will last forever and ever. And when he comes, he's going to bring salvation. When he comes, he's going to open the eyes of the blind and he's going to bring the captives out of captivity. And then justice will break forth like a, like a rushing waters and my glory will flood the earth and my spirit will be poured out onto all flesh. That is the promise of the son of David. And when these blind men heard that Jesus was coming near, they believed that he was this promise. You see, in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 7, when the son of David, when the son of God, when the Messiah comes, he's going to open the eyes of the blind and bring prisoners out of the dungeon 
who sit in darkness. They didn't take it metaphorically. They literally believed that the son of David, if he is the savior, he can actually open the eyes of the blind. Did you know in the Old Testament, there's tons of crazy miracles, but one miracle was never performed. And that was no one opened the eyes of the blind. And they believe this guy can because he's the son of David. Where is your hope? Is it in Jesus, the hope of the world, the hope of Israel? And so they entered the house and the blind men came to Jesus and Jesus had one question for them. He said, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I can do what no one else has done? No one else can do. Do you believe? And I think that's the same question that God asks us this morning. Do you believe that he's able to do this? What is that this in your life? The thing in your life that you have a hard time believing? I don't know if God could change this. You know what I'm saying? We all have this. And for these blind men, it, the this was the impossible th thing of being able to see. No one could make them see, not even any prophet of the Old Testament. There are no stories of people opening the eyes of the blind. Can, do you believe that I can do the impossible in your life? What is this in your life that you have a hard time believing? Are you, do you believe that he, Jesus, the son of David, is able to do this? And if you, and if you do, if you're like, of course I do, I'm a Christian, I believe, then why don't you live like you believe it? Why don't we live like we believe that Jesus can do these things? Why do we still live with all this anxiety and worry in our life if Jesus is able to do all things? Why are you so worried about that weakness or that thing in your life that you, you can't change or no one is able to change? Do you believe that he can do this? Why are you so worried? Why are you so uncertain? Why are you so filled with anxiety? Believe in him that he is able. Don't believe in a job. Don't believe in a company that's going to take care of you. Don't believe in a person or a relationship or in wealth. Believe that he is able. Amen. You see, that's the only question that matters. Do you believe he's able? Not do you believe is he willing? Because that's a no, he is willing. God is willing to make you whole. The question is, do you believe that he's able? He's already willing. His power is there. You just have to now believe that he's able. It's not a question of if he wants to heal you. It's just a question if you believe if he can. God is eager to heal and to make you and I to give back our life, to live in wholeness and fullness. That's why he came, John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Your life is meant to be lived abundantly. And some of you are still waiting to live. Well, I say stop waiting and, and reach out to Jesus Christ today. Faith must come first. 
Jesus is asking this question to these blind men while they're still blind. Do you believe I can do this? While they're blind. And then when they answer, that's when they get healed. The miracle always comes after faith. Faith precedes the miracle. And they said to him, yes, Lord. They declared, yes, Lord. When was the last time you declared your yes to Jesus? When was the last time you declared your faith to him? We might in our eyes be like, yeah, yeah, I believe. But when was the last time you said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are able to do this in my life. I believe that you are able to change this, to fix this, to break me out of this addiction. When was the last time in faith that you declared to him, yes, I believe that you are able. Today, he asks you, do you believe? Let's make today the day you declare once again, yes, Lord, I am able, that you are able. Yes, Lord. The word Lord means he's the one who rules your life. You're saying yes to him as your Lord at that moment. Is he the Lord of your life today? Is he still the Lord of your life today? Or is something else the Lord of your life today? Is your body and its desires ruling over your life? Is that, is that the Lord of your life today? Is your desire to be popular the Lord of your life today? Is your desire for comfort and for fame or for security, is that the Lord of your life today? Or to be liked by someone, is that the Lord? Or is Jesus Christ and his commandments, is that the Lord of your life? Say, yes, Lord. He's waiting for our answer, for your answer today. And when we say in faith, yes, Lord, he touched their eyes. Class, does Jesus need to touch their eyes to heal them? No, he doesn't, right? He could heal with just the thought. He could just will it and it'll happen, right? He, he could just desire someone to be healed and on the other side of the planet, they'll be healed. He doesn't need to go and physically touch anyone to heal them. But yet Jesus comes and he touches their eyes with his hands. Why? It's not because he has to touch their eyes. It's because he wants to touch their eyes. Don't you realize this is the heart of our God. He is a God who wants to touch you, who wants to be close to you, who wants to be in contact with you. He's a God who wants to be intimate with you. So many of us think that God is someone like a distant cosmic God who's far away. Some people's idea of God is that he's like a cosmic watchmaker and the universe was a big giant watch that he just set up, wind it up, and now he just walks away and it just kind of runs itself. But that is not the God of the Bible. Our God does not stand at a distance. He is a gardener who with his hands creates us in the dirt. He is a potter shaping the clay with his fingers, with his fingerprints all over that clay. He is like a father holding his child. He is like a lover who holds you close. He is like a friend whom he doesn't keep his secrets from. We have a God who is intimate, who longs, who wants a close loving, intimate relationship with you? Does God feel far from you? Does your relationship with God feel distant? Then ask for more today. He wants you to come closer. Invi he will come close. Just invite him. 
Say, Lord, come into my life. Don't miss out on the touch of God in your life. Fight for more. Ask for more. Cry out for more. He wants more. He's the God who touches the eyes of the blind. And he says, according to your faith, be it done to you. It's about faith. Some of you, you're not... Some of us were missing out on the intimacy with God in our life because we don't believe that God actually wants to come close. I don't think God wants to have an intimate relationship with me. I'm too dirty. I'm too messed up. I've done too many things. I've, you know, I'm not faithful enough. You, and according to your faith, that's why we keep pushing God away with our unbelief. Believe, though I'm a sinner, though I messed up, God loves me. And you just start, it's according to our faith, the power of God, his salvation, it's all there. We have access to it and we access it through faith. So according to your faith, be it done to you. It's funny, when someone starts to believe that they can hear the voice of God, they start to believe it, guess what happens? They start to hear the voice of God. I used to think God only speaks to my friends who are holier than me or who have special powers. So when they would be like, God told me this, I'd be like, wow. <laughs> you know, God's, God must really like you. And I just didn't believe that God would speak to me, not directly. And then somewhere along the line, I started to believe. And guess what? And God started to speak. Because according to your faith, be it done. Some of you, you see God working in other people's lives. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to believe for other people, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, God healed. There was a miracle. God provided for Yechan in his financial situation. Or God, you know, spoke to someone in a dream. And God, yeah, I believe God can do all those things in other people's lives. Like God's always working in Diana's life, you know, because she's on praise team. You know, like you believe for other people. But then when it comes to your life and your situation, you're like, but God can't change me or God can't break this in my life or God can't change. Or yeah, maybe, you know, Ruta and her relationship with her mom, but not my relationship with my mom or not my brother. You maybe yeah, your brother came to salvation, but mine, you don't know my like when it comes to yourself and your own life and the people in your life, we don't believe. Faith is the conduit of God's power and salvation. Let's believe for more. There is not a limit to his power. What's limiting his power in your life is your faith. But praise God, God gives faith to those who ask. So don't beat yourself up over, oh, my faith is too small, I suck. Just cry out for more today. And he who is a God of mercy, though you don't deserve that faith, he will give you that faith. Amen. And then their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. The God who created light, recreated light in their life as he was touching their eyes. The God who literally created them was touching and recreating their eyes at that moment, and they believed, and they were healed, and now they were living in darkness, and now they are brought into light. Just like what happens to us spiritually when we come to Jesus. This is not a miracle that just happened to these blind men, but to every person who has experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ. Where the finger of God came and touched our lives the moment we accepted 
him as Lord and Savior into our lives. Our eyes were opened. I was blind, but now I see like that song, the in amazing grace. Before we could not see. We couldn't see where our lives were going, but now we see that our lives are destined for the kingdom. Before we didn't know how our lives are going to end or if we were going to be good enough for God, but now we know that our place is secure because of the righteousness of Jesus so we don't have to live with anxiety or worry or trying to earn our worth anymore. We can live proud and confidently knowing that we are secure in the love of God. You don't have to worry and wonder if you need to earn your righteousness and live every day trying to earn your salvation because you can see Jesus. And you know how you live when you can see? You live with freedom. You don't live with worry. You know, it's really rare to see a blind man run. It's not because they can't, but it's because it's really scary to run when you can't see, isn't it? I mean, anyone who's been blindfolded knows. Try putting on a blindfold and then just walking somewhere outside. It's terrifying. You're nervous because you don't know where to go. You don't know where to step because you can't see where you're going and you don't know where is going to be danger. And so every step, you're so hesitant to step out. You're so hesitant to try and go anywhere and to do anything. And that's how so many of us are living because we cannot see where we are going or who we are. But once Jesus comes and opens your eyes so that you can see the reality of who you are, who God is, and where we're going, we're able to live lives of freedom. We're able to live lives not afraid. We don't just hesitate. We run because we could see that in the end, God has got us. He is sovereign, and we don't, we don't have to worry. There's nothing we have to worry about anymore. So let's stop. For those of you who are living in Jesus, stop living like you're still blind. Don't you realize your eyes have been opened? You could see where you're going. We're going to the kingdom. You could see who you are because you are a child of God. You see who is next to you. Jesus stands next to you. God goes before you. The Holy Spirit is behind you and is for you and pushing you forward and is for you. What can be we worried about? Why are we so filled with anxiety and worry? Let's live with our eyes open and let's run towards the kingdom together. Amen? Amen. We know our purpose. We see it. It's been given to us. And Jesus warns them, don't tell anybody about this. But they can't hold it in. They can't. How can you when your eyes have been opened? And so they tell everyone. Isn't that funny? Jesus tells them not to tell anyone, and they tell everyone. And Jesus told us to tell everyone, and we don't tell anyone. Right? Jesus told us. The last thing he told us was to go and tell everyone of what I've done for you. Tell everyone of the freedom you have. Tell everyone of the good news you have. Tell everyone of the healing that happens in your life. Tell everyone that you can live unafraid. And tell them that they can too. And we don't. Well, let's start today. Don't even waste a moment regretting about how you didn't. Just start now. We don't have to be afraid. We need to go and spread his fame with eyes open. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Hun Vision Podcast. We hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Hun Vision.